This week on Reliving the Extreme, we are discussing the Gangsta's Paradise event from September the 16th, 1995. Nate Maxson, your host here with you, along with my brother Aaron. Hello. And Mr. Chad Austin. Hey, donkeys. Pooh Bear. And I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, Chad, but here, to, to quote a Bobby Heenan line, it is hotter than two weasels in a tube sock. Is that is, is that is that a good thing? It's hot as fuck. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, just by the just by the name of the show alone, it sounds like it's good, right? The gangsters pair. I, I have I have I'm a man of two minds on this show, and we'll get into it. I did decide during this show that in the in the ECW style main events like we have on this show and we'll get to it later where there are multiple people multiple in multiple locations doing multiple things i am no longer taking any fucking notes on these matches like i'll take a note here and there on a spot that sticks out to me or something but it is really hard to take notes on an ECW style multiple man main event uh, I agree. I, I, I totally understand what you're talking about. Like it's like after you start writing something down, somebody <laughs> else shows up. Well, yeah, I was gonna say you, you're writing something down and you look up and now they're on to like two. They're, they're two things ahead of you at this point. You're like, well, fuck it. I've missed. I've missed two minutes of this match and so much has happened. I'm done taking notes. I just quit. <clears throat> yeah, I I, I I kind of agree. <laughs> But the show starts off, and like I said, it's September 16th, 1995 at the ECW Arena. I can't find it. The opening match. (laughs) Chad hasn't watched the show yet, but he was there 30 or 28 years ago, so hopefully he remembers something from the show. But one of your buddies is in the opening match, Chad. It's Bull Payne against the the Broad Street Bully. Would that be Tony Stetson, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I got, uh, I was glad that I got, that I got, um, I got Bull a job there. Um, at, at that point is when I was living with Bull and, um, I said, Hey man, you know, I, I have to go back home. I gotta go to Philadelphia, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, Hey, is there any chance they're going to book me? They could book me. And I was like, you know, What's what's the harm in going to the show and sitting in the back, you know? Mm-hmm. And Bull being what six three, two hundred and sixty five pounds, you know, he looked like somebody. Whether Paul was going to push him, not push him, you know? Is it, you're serious? This is tonight, right? That's not the morning. <laughs> yes, it is night. It All is right. evening. <laughs> yeah, but but you you understand what I'm saying? Like Paul yeah. saw the guy probably didn't know him, you know, and said, okay, whatever. I didn't know. I didn't know until I was reading some, some stuff about uh, bull online. I had no idea that he was one half of the Texas hangman that wrestled in Puerto Rico. I had no idea. Oh, all right. Yeah. It was cool. Cause like when I, when I lived with him, I didn't know that either until he told me, um, I saw he had one of the masks like in, in a mm-hmm. room or whatever. And I asked him what mask that was. I was like, "That's pretty cool, man. Would would you would you do another gimmick or something?" He's like, "Yeah, I was one of the Texas Hangman. I'm like from USWA, like from Puerto Rico." And he's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "No shit." <laughs> like, yeah, I know, I know who the fuck. You know what I mean? I, I mean, 
they were basically um the other guy was a was a was a bone mm-hmm. um yeah there was but, no uh, in, when i was reading the when i was reading the article there was no info on the other guy it was just like Payne was one half of the texas hangman in puerto rico but it didn't even mention the other guy's name or anything just <laughs> no that, that, that guy i don't think um i don't think did anything else in the wrestling business other than that and they, they didn't even like each other when they were a team and i'm thinking like you're in puerto rico together you better, you know, it's probably, all you better off. it's probably better off that you find a friend while you're there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because if not, then you're really fucking on an island, you know. If the, if you're, if you're, if your enemy doesn't shank you, your promoter will. Yeah. It's like, don't take a shower, <laughs> bathe in the ocean or something. Dude, I was, I, I was living with Bull when um he was going back to Puerto Rico for the last time. And he made it about 20 miles down the road. And in Arkansas is where we were living, like right outside, like right outside of Memphis. And like 20 miles down the road, he like flipped his fucking car. And what was, and he, he got all fucked up. And what was fucked up was he was going to Puerto Rico to try to set me up to come to Puerto Rico. And he's like, I'm telling you, you don't want to do it. He kept telling me, you don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. You know, it's like a thousand dollars a week. It's like a thousand dollars a week. I'm thinking, fuck yeah, that's way more than I'm making now, right? Way more than I'm making. But he goes, what's here's, here's what's going to happen after about six, eight weeks? They're going to hold your paycheck back once you get a condo, or once you get a once you get an apartment down there. They're gonna, you know, then you settle in. They're going to start holding your money back. That way, you can't leave. So you know what I mean? You're gonna. And I'm like, well, I got like. Fifteen, seventeen thousand dollars saved up, you know, that I could just leave. And then he was like, "No, it don't work that way." <laughs> like, like, like w- once you get there, and if they, and then he's like, "You're a small white boy from the states. You're going to end up being a slave." I'm like, I don't want to be a slave. Yeah, that's what that's what you're going to be. Instead of the Hotel California, it's the Hotel Puerto Rico, dude. Yeah, I mean, I mean. And he told me how, how important toilet paper was. You got to take toilet paper. I'm like, why? Because <laughs> you know? then he, he's describing to me how you got to ride on these fucking, on these trucks that have chickens and shit on them and and stuff. And you're riding up these mountains. And I'm like, they don't have like tour buses. You know, this is not like a reputable company. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But no, we're riding on these, on these trucks that have chickens and stuff on it. And I was like, you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe I don't want to go there. I don't. I don't want to be a slave in Puerto Rico. You're an indentured servant riding around with chickens, yeah, chicken truck. Yeah, and we're not going to KFC or Cluck You. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad I didn't go to Puerto. But bullpain's beating the bullpain's beating the tar out of Tony Stetson. Bullpain pretty much beats up Tony Stetson here. And uh, Aaron, your notes on the match itself. Um. <clears throat> About six minutes, they're doing all right, and then about Ooh, six, looks jacked, man. Yeah, but but they're doing all right in the match, and then about six minutes in, they wind up on the floor, and it totally gets away from them. And it's not Bullpain's fault; it's it's like Stetson's fault, and it's like he gets confused on what they're supposed to be doing. I, I and, and you can just like bull kind of stiffs him a little. It looks to me like he kind of stiffs him a little bit and has like a, a very irritated look on his face. 
They they also have. Like, I think, he, out- I think he was regarded as like this is my this is my way of trying to get in here, and this guy's fucking it up or whatever. You know? Yeah, you know? that's that that's exactly what that was. Exactly, it was bull. It was bull because I like like I said, I got him in. I got him in first. Like I um, we were. We were in Alabama, and Boo got to do some of them Florida shows that he did. And we did them shows in Florida first, and then and then we did then uh he, he went to Florida. I didn't go to them Florida shows because I still had two more weeks of dates. And he went. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. And then we I got him booked. Like you know, and then Florida shows were kind of like, you know. What, what do you call them? Like throwaways, just you know, they were they were just there. They were bought shows, so Paul wasn't paying any attention as to who who was. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was Garink. It was it was Garinko and, and Malaria <laughs> on them shows. So he didn't give a shit who else was there. So Boo got on them shows, and then I got them booked in Philadelphia. And the fucked up thing was. We're we're, dri- we're driving to Philadelphia, and I kept calling him Bullstein, Bullstein, and then the, the rest of the guys in the car started calling him Bullstein, and we, we got to like a fucking rest stop, and on ninety five, and and somebody called him Bullstein, and Bull grabbed the fucking guy by his shirt. He said, "Look, look, look!" He called him a fucking um. Uh, I forgot what he called him because Bull has a favorite phrase for calling somebody a chicken shit or whatever. And he's like, if you call me Bull State again, I'm going to fucking beat your ass. And I'm thinking, he just said it. <laughs> Bull State. And the guy was like, what the fuck? And then, uh, and, and, and then he turned around and looked at Jeff, Jeff Jones. And, and Jeff, about, he, he knocked over a Colonel Sanders, like cardboard cutout stand, like backing up. Like, cause he backed up so fast, and he knocked over the condiment stand and everything. Like, and it bulls like causing the scene. I'm like, all right, we ain't calling him Bullstein no more. But Paul liked him. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why Paul couldn't find anything to do with him. I, I, I honestly don't know. You know, I kind of like, it kind of, I kind of shake my head. Like, he's he's 265, 75 pounds, whatever. He's Jack. He's not a great promo. But he understands the art of the promo, you know. Mm-hmm. He, is, he can get the points over. Is there? Yeah. A, this is a this is a question I have about the arena because of something I noticed in this match. Is that when they set up the ring in the ECW arena, was were 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 there sides of the ring where the where the rails for the audience were farther away than other sides of the ring from the ring? Yeah. I, the, I'm at, the, the, I, yeah, the guardrails were about, you know, I'm not a fucking, I don't have a tape measure or anything, but I'm guessing they were probably like like 10 feet away. Okay, because I just noticed during this match when these guys were on the outside, it looked like they didn't have enough room <laughs> between the ring and the guardrail to do what they wanted. to. They, they looked like they were just in a more confined space than you normally visually see this ringside area. So. Oh, well, yeah, I mean... I it might be I might be wrong, but I I think it would um probably base off what they think they're gonna sell for tickets. Right, of course. Like they probably thought this gangsta's paradise shit's gonna fucking sell because this fucking match. So 
we gotta we gotta put more seats out so you gotta move the rails in I just saw where you're saying that. And on the one side of the ring, it looks like the fucking, um, the, the rail is like four feet from the ring. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They picked the wrong part of the, they picked the wrong side of the ring to do their outside the ring spots. And that's where they fuck up. And, and Stetson like can't do whatever he, whatever Bull's trying to get him to do. And, Pulling stuff, I think, like dropping him on his fucking head, and you can see in his face, he's just like, "God damn it!" Like you can, you can see frustration in his face. Of I don't know if he's, just, I don't know if he's like frustrated with Stetson or just the situation, but you can tell he's not happy. Yeah, they um because the guardrails are all interlinked, like they're all like connected together. So if you move, if, if just say whoever's in an earlier match, I don't know who was an earlier match. If they went out to the ring, outside the ring, and hit the guardrails, they moved all the guardrails, you know, <laughs> like closer to one side. So one side you might have, you know, for Sabu, ten feet. They do is flip, and then the other side you might it, it could be right against the ring, basically, you know. I, I mean, I, that's why I always opted when somebody's going to throw me out of the ring, throw me out on the short side. That's what I call it, the short side. Right. That way I can I can go out and hit the guardrail, you know, and then. You'll, you'll know where I'm at because I'll, I'll start trying to move them back. <laughs> like, kind of kind of thing. But, yeah, they were all interlinked. So, it was like, you move one, you move them all. Well, Bull does and it's, only, it's, still the mar- it's still the night, right? Yes. <laughs> Bull does win this match with a DDT. Um, the next match on the show, we get an introduction for the uh, the Dudleys. And they are like the gremlins. They are multiplying as we speak because uh, walking down the aisle, we have Dudley Dudley. We have Big Dick Dudley. We now see Sign Guy Dudley, Dances with Dudley, and Chubby Dudley all headed toward the ring. And uh, here comes this motley crew of gentlemen. And uh, the match itself that's going to happen here is Chad Austin and Donnie Allen. I was going to say, wasn't I involved in this? Yes, it is Chad Austin and Donnie Allen against Dudley Dudley and Dances with Dudley. Good Lord. I've, I've talked to Bully uh, a few times about this, and he calls this not the Dudleys. <laughs> He's like, they weren't the Dudleys. And I'm thinking, yeah, they were. They <laughs> were the original Dudleys. Yeah, you're not an original Dudley. But I, I, I always thought, like... Um, I guess uh, you probably can't hear it on on the cock because of the audio, but I mean when they came out and and the very first time the crowd started chanting old old time hockey old time hockey, I had no idea what that because I was I was involved in all their matches the first matches all of them, it was always me and Donnie or me and you know Dino Sendoff or whoever were always involved in these matches and the crowd yelled old time hockey. And I just didn't have any idea what the fuck they were talking about. Like, I've never seen Slapshot at that point, huh? I, I, I mean, I'm, I may have, but I just didn't put it together. But mm-hmm. but I'm just thinking like, oh, all right, well, I don't know what the fuck they're chanting all this for, whatever. And then they got over. I mean, it's, to me, it, it's one of the greatest characters uh, uh, ECW ever, ever, ever came up with and presented, right? I mean, am I wrong? No, it's they, definitely, they I mean... It's one of the it's one of the five it's one of the five they are one of the five people you think of when you think of EC five <laughs> one of the yeah, one of the, the fifteen 
the shame is people think of Devon and Bubba, and like a lot of people don't think of these guys. So these are the guys that made it. You know what I mean? They definitely made it. I mean, they could have really done without. Um, they probably could have done without dances with with Dudley's, whatever. You know, they could have came up with something better than that. But the whole, I mean, do you, do, uh, did I ever tell you the way it was explained to? To me, like what the characters were, or did you guys? Do you guys know? I mean, I know they came from Big Daddy Dudley's ball sack. I know that. <laughs> well, I mean, he was a he was a fucking traveling fucking book salesman. Like um, that he and he slept with all these different people, <laughs> like in trailer parks and stuff. Like he was a traveling salesperson. And he slept with all these different people and therefore all these different incarnations of Dudleys. And I'm like, so what's next? Are you going to have a black Dudley? Sure enough, Dion comes along. (laughs) And I'm not even sure what Bubba was. Was Bubba like the regular Dudley? You know, he was like the... Like a a, a hillbilly Dudley? I don't know. (laughs) Dildoey Dudley? (laughs) Not a dildo Dudley. (laughs) No, it's Dildoey. It's still doughy, Dudley. I also like the fact they were trying to be like, I like the fact they were trying to be like, oh, dances with Dudley is like making fun of Tataka, but he's like, he's just doing uh, Chief J Strombo. That's all he did. Yeah, he actually, the guy that that played dances with Dudley, I think he started doing an an Indian gimmick in in IWCCW, I think, if I remember correctly. They all came from IWCCW. That's the fucking best. That to me was like, why didn't he just call them the IWCC Dudleys? <laughs> <laughs> because they all came from there. Like Paul had this had this gimmick. Like he had this like salt spot where he um like you know IWCCW up here. It it came on at at, at all kinds of times. You know it was it, it wasn't you know it came on it was you know at at all random times. And it was it was so awful that it was a must watch, you know. It was so bad. Like they, should time, Vic, they should have made they should have made a Vic Steamboat and Tony Atlas a Dudley. Well, Tony Atlas was what we were talking about. Um, he worked uh, Onita one time, and and um, you know how when Onita goes to do the miss spot, whatever, you, you can walk over and see. Where the person put the cup that had the like a little cup, and he set it on the ring corner, like right by the ring. And you see a, a Anita walk by and grab the fucking cup of mist. And I'm just like, this is just so bad, dude. Nobody, nobody, there's no quality control here whatsoever. All I know is I, I just took a, I just took a freight, a front face suplex from. Uh, what did you say his name was? Dancing with Dudleys? Yes, yeah, Dances with... Joey continually calls him D.W. Dudley, but it's Dances with Dudley. Yeah, I think that's what we all... We all pretty much called him that, like, in the locker room. It was D.W., you know? I mean, nobody was going to say, hey, Dances with... You know, it was D.W. Well, as this match progresses, this is this is essentially just a squash match to get to the Dudleys over, which obviously Chad and Donnie do a good job taking the beating here um chad's watching the show as we speak so he probably hasn't seen it yet but he's gonna get some uh he's gonna get a crutch shot <laughs> big dick 
Big Dick Dudley is going to crack Chad with the crutch outside the ring. And uh, then Dudley Dudley pins Don E for the Dudleys to get a victory in this match. Well, it had to be Don E. They weren't going to put, they weren't going to, they weren't going to finish me. You know, they put the heat on me. Yeah, whatever. It, it is. It was what it was. And I'm sure because um, the way me and Donnie worked together and, and, and booked everything, it was, I'll take, you know, because I, I don't I don't trust anybody else when it comes with taking the heat. You know what I'm saying? You know, you're going to have, you know, I mean, even though Tony Stetson has been there for 20 years or Hot Body or all them guys, Donnie included. Like, I love Donnie to death. He's one of my favorite people that I've ever worked with. But I just knew that I'm better at that than everybody else is. And so I was like, I'll, I'll take all the heat. And Paul Paul appreciated that, too, as well. That's the professional thing to do. Well, I mean, you know, it is it, it, it is what it, it is. What it is. It's, uh, I'm, I'm at, I'm, you know, I'm better at selling or I'm better at taking stuff and, or I don't, I don't want to see, I don't want to see Donnie get beat up. <laughs> yeah. So I'll take the beating. You know what I mean? I'll take it. Don't worry about it, Donnie. I'll take it. And I know we said it like a couple, like the last few weeks, but Dudley Dudley, like, I don't think he did anything really after this, but. That dude was pretty fucking good in the ring. That was that was Jeff Bradley, right? Yeah. Yeah, he came when well, he was a Florida guy, right? And uh, what did a couple of he did a couple of stints, a small stints in what uh, NWA like Wild Side or some shit. You know, I, I don't I don't know if he did Memphis or, or anything like that, but I know he worked for like Burt too. And who didn't work for fucking Burt? You know. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, he had experience, and I thought he was like, he was like the patriarch of the Dudley guys. In my opinion, I thought he was the guy, like he was going to be like the the leader of the Dudleys, you know. And I, 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 I guess because of, of trans, you know, Paul with money, all all the money that Paul wasn't making. I don't remember what I don't remember what name he used, but I do know he did jobs for the WWF too. The in like probably probably in this time frame like 93 94 95 um yeah probably jeff bradley if i if i had to guess probably jeff bradley or, or something of something to that you know effect well, the next matchup on this gangsta's paradise show sees the feud continue between jt smith and hack myers and there wasn't a whole lot to this confrontation between these two other than jt is now Full-fledged acting like he's Italian, you know. Paisans. I don't know what to tell you, but if, if I'm sure I wasn't the only one that knew that was a rib. <laughs> Seriously, Jay, he said, "My name, my name will be but J but T but Smith book. And all of a sudden, they're they're gonna make him an Italian guy. <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll give it a shot. Well, JT, Aaron, did you have any notes on the match? Because I just had the finish. I didn't take even any notes yeah, on the match, really. It's just JT purposely fucking up moves to the crowd. I remember, I do remember Paul um, one time telling JT that, uh, like, we were going over a match that I think we were, we were going to be in together or whatever, about how he purposely wanted him to fuck up a spot. And JT looked at him, you know, all sideways because he didn't get it. 
And he's like, no, I, I, I want you to like do something and then you fuck it up. And so the crowd can chant you fucked up and all that shit. And then, uh, so Paul, Paul obviously had something, but he didn't. And, and the genius of Paul was he didn't tell anybody why, you know, he, he didn't tell anybody why they wanted him to do that. He just said, I want you to go out there and fuck up a spot. Just so you can chant you fucked up. Well, in this match, JT bumps himself through a table. Well, I'm not surprised. It's against Hack Myers. Like, a true fucking, uh, a true workhorse in in ECW. A guy who never got a chance to to make his true potential. Like, uh, in in my opinion, I thought Hack could have been a, Hack was over, right? Oh, yeah. No, very over. The ECW but he was never crowd. punched. Yeah, the, right? EC, the, the ECW arena crowd fucking loved Hack Myers. But they never pushed him. He was always against JT or against uh, Val Puccio or, you know. Yeah, and I, that's what I was going to say. If you think back to um, maybe six months ago as we're doing the show. So this is September. So maybe back around March of 95, it felt like he was about to get the push. Like they were really, really, you know, the Shaw. They brought started hitting hard with the Shaw of ECW thing and how much the crowd loves him and et cetera, et cetera. And then, like you said, Chad, they just kind of backed off on it. And at this point, he's just another guy on the card. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it goes, it goes back to that. What I always thought was the, uh, the I I ninety five corridor um, effect. That the Maryland guys were always on the lower end of the I nine I ninety five corridor, and and it was it always seemed like it, whether it was me Axel, you know Axel's kind of the same way. He, Axel Axel was better than he got pushed to. Um, Hack, you know, at, at the time Ian, but yeah, we were all we were the Maryland guys, and they never really they never really put a whole lot of stock or investment into the Maryland guys as much as they did anybody who was from Yonkers. Fucking Tommy Dreamer. Fag. <laughs> Fuck him. Fucking jabroni. <laughs> but that is, that is the his, his hometown is a stupid name, too. It sounds like something that... Yonkers sounds like something that would come up on the screen when Batman punches the Joker in the 1960s yeah. show. It sounds like an offensive remark. Yeah, you're a fucking yonker. You know? Fuck that. It's something some British guy would call you. Or, yeah. or like, get out of like, here, you bloody yonker. You bloody yonker. Or your grandpa says it now, and he's like, a bunch of yonkers moved in next door. He'd be like, oh, he's, he, oh, he's yonkers. I, I expected that of Al Roker. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know? Tommy Dreamer's a fucking, he's a fraud. But that is the finish of the match, is JT goes to the top and falls off, goes like head head first through a table and gets counted out, Hack Myers zero. Yep, that's a way of putting Hack hack over without putting Hack over, right? Yep. He ain't got to beat JT. JT could beat himself. And... Who's going to remember this anyway? When you know when they walk out of the building, uh, and nobody's going to be like, "Oh my God, the Hagmeyer's JT Smith match." Oh Jesus Christ! Oh my God! Somebody called Melton. Worth the price of admission. Um, yeah. 
The next thing is um, Jason's back out of nowhere, and the Eliminators are here out of nowhere. I, you know, <laughs> I don't know if this is their ECW debut because we never saw anything else on TV leading up they to this event. It, they do mention that it's their debut. Okay, because this is this is Joey mentions that this is Jason's new team, and it was supposed to be um, what. Story-wise, it was supposed to be too cold teaming with the Eliminators, but Jason wants to take his place because he wants to be in the match. Yeah, so it's, it turns out to be Jason and the Eliminators against Taz and the Steiner Brothers. In a very close. Oh, shit. And they, yeah, I did agree now. They clipped the shit out of this match. This match. I, don't, I don't even know. I don't even know if this was all taped at the same time because I don't remember even being in the same building with the Steiners. Is yeah, that a possibility it's on the two-night show? Well, no, because I'm actually looking here cause just for just for reference purposes. I'm, lo- I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for the show, and it's, you know, it's listed on the card. And they're all, this, all these matches are listed as the same card from the 16th of September. Huh. I wonder if they just were like, you know, just secluded somewhere, you know, or, or say, maybe, maybe they came in, did their match and then left. I don't know. Cause they've got to be finishing up with ECW here pretty quick. Well, I know they only had like four dates or five dates. Cause I think Paul did a, um, like Paul did like a meeting, um, a, a few weeks prior saying that he had a bunch of guys that were coming in on loan from WCW. They were on loan from WCW, WCW right? Or were they in transition? Uh, they were they, they were in transition at this point. Okay, but I do know Paul. But Paul said that he was going to have talent coming in from WCW that was on loan, so we were going to start seeing other you know other guys here. And but he he made a big deal about um, you know I'm not selling the company. You know, well, I, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Sell the company. I come with. I'm al- I'm already taking money from Vince McMahon. <laughs> No, not I don't think he was at this point, was he? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's Paulie, you never know. Yeah, because I I don't think it was I don't think he was taking the money. I don't think he started taking the money until the Sabu shit. Like uh, right around what barely legal? Uh it, actually the, the ECW money started when um if if this the narrative that's been told is right, he started taking the money when they took two cold. Because Too Cold was getting money, but he was getting money from Too Cold because something with like Tommy Boy Records or whatever. And he was getting like two grand a month from Tommy Boy Records. And Vince wanted to sign Too Cold. And he was like, Well, you take him, that's two grand off my bottom line. So Vince just was like, Well, give him two grand a week. And then after that, it just started kind of building up. Well, then that, that, if that, if that's the case, then that's November of 96, because Tuco makes his debut in WWF at the Survivor Series of 96. So, yeah, we're far, I, I'm wrong. We're far away. If the narrative is correct, then we're still over a year away from Polly being on the take. <laughs> I know Blue Meanie told a story on a shoot interview where uh, him and Stevie would just drive to Stanford and like look at t- like Titan Towers. They just drive over there and look at it. And one day they were like sitting there looking at it. And Paulie was doing this down with the WWF. The WWF's the villains, whatever. And they're sitting there looking at the building. And like Paulie drives out with like his top down of his Corvette or whatever. And he sees them and with they the see him. And, he's and-, <laughs> and, 
And then he like they said he like drove around the block and then came back around. He's like, "Hey, what are you guys doing here?" I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe that. I, he's he, like, he's he like the he's, he's like the John Lovitz. He's like the John Lovitz compulsive liar gimmick. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. Yeah, yeah. I was never there. I was never there. You didn't see me at the Titan Towers. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the fucking, it's the fucking wrestling business, dude. I mean, I mean, the the worst part of it is, is that you never expect, like, you never expect from the higher ups. It's one thing to hear it from the talent, you know, like you know mm-hmm. when when like Candido left or, you know, certain people left. You know, it's not that's one thing, but when you hear it from the management. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're like, wait a minute, maybe there's maybe there's a bigger crack in the wall than we thought there was. <laughs> if the management's leaving, do you like, believe who, who do we got? To, who's running this place? It's you, Tommy you, Dreamer, and you. You actually, you actually know the guy, Chad. So you tell me, do you believe Tommy Dreamer's story about WrestleMania 17? Have you heard it, and do you believe it? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I probably I may have heard it, but just refresh he, me. He says, Tommy Dreamer says, and I've heard him say it multiple in multiple situations, and the story doesn't change, so you know it is what it <laughs> is. But he says that when he went that okay, so Polly leaves and goes to the WWF the week before WrestleMania 17, shows up on Raw, and at WrestleMania 17, Tommy says he was planning to go to WrestleMania 17 shoot Paul Heyman in the back of the head and then kill himself. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. I, I heard that. Yeah. I don't I don't no, no. <laughs> Just, he doesn't have the motivation and the initiative. Dude, yeah, he doesn't have the motivation, the gumption. Um, you know, he doesn't have the balls. He doesn't know. he doesn't have the yonkers to do it. Yes, he doesn't have any of that. There there um I mean, it, it it's over. It's fucking wrestling. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, if, if you're gonna if if you're gonna be that passionate about the business, then be better at it. <laughs> Just, you know, don't, don't blame somebody else because you're not good. <laughs> you know, Plus he's, he gonna blame, he's gonna yeah, blame he's Paul because Paul went to New York. You know. And Paul was getting paid the whole entire time. I mean, th- you know, like I said, that I didn't even know of. He wasn't. Paul wasn't. I was. I never got WWE money. You know, I got ECW money. I, you know, I know that for a fact. And I'll go to my grave and I'll say that I never saw one check that was. Uh, I, I never saw one thing that that linked me to believe Paul's on the payroll. Like what? What changed? And and. and- <laughs> I'd say this about Tommy. Like, if he wants to bitch about Pauly going to the WWF and and getting paid or whatever, it's like, for one, if Pauly would have never went to the WWF, like, after ECW closed or whatever, Tommy would have never wound up there. ECW yeah, I mean, business, Tommy, Tommy ended up on creative. Tommy has no job. Pauly brought him along. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, like, it's like, he should be grateful to Paul Heyman. There's no chance that Tommy list, Tommy Dreamer was on a short list of guys that WWE wanted to have on their creative. You know? No. If it wasn't for fucking Paul Lee, Tommy Dreamer's name would have never been brought up on creative. 
Nobody thinks Tom Dreamer is a great booker. Vince McMahon probably didn't even know who the fuck he was. What? I said Vince McMahon probably didn't even know who the fuck Tommy Dreamer was. No, he didn't even know why he was in the fucking room with him. <laughs> you know, he's probably looking around. He's like, hey, Andrea, uh, you know. And he's uh, I'm, used, off. I'm, uh, I'm used to seeing Goombas around, but I don't res- I don't, re- I don't uh, recognize that one. Is that yeah. son? Who is that? Dude, he probably said, hey, sir, my name's Tommy Dreamer. Ah, oh, creamer. All right. I know my coffee and a black steak. <laughs> so he probably started calling him Tommy Creamer. I'm surprised it didn't translate into the on-screen character. Well, the match, this, this match itself, like Aaron and I said, it's edited to shit. But uh, the finish comes when Scorpio actually kicks Taz in his injured neck and causes the uh, – that enables Jason, Jason to be the one to pin Taz – to get the victory for himself and the eliminators in this six man. Well, you're gonna forget you forgot the spot of Scott Steiner giving Jason the atomic wedgie. Like Scott, <laughs> Scotty goes to give him a a belly to a belly to belly suplex, and he wedges the shit out of Jason. It's like the, the back of his tights almost disappear, and you're like, ew. That's gross. Dude, not not to mention the fact that ECW has a, such a big of a budget that they couldn't keep their their steel cage underneath the ring or somewhere in the back. <laughs> they had it up against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, was, it was sitting. It was sitting. In, it was sitting. Like, so anybody could just use it. I'm like, I, I just I just now saw it. And I'm just like, what? How fucking lame is that? See some, see some, see some fan just leaning on it, eating his pretzel. Yeah. <laughs> the steel cage that we're going, we're going to use later. Eating his slice of pepperoni while he's leaning on the cage. Um, no, you couldn't get, you couldn't get pizza there. You had to go outside on the corner to get pizza because the only thing they sold at the arena was sodas and hot dogs. You had to go outside the building where the marks were, make a left and walk all the way to the corner of Swanson and Rinder in the other corner. And there was like a, an Italian pizza shop there that it had fucking good pizza though. I ain't gonna fucking lie. <laughs> I was gonna say you can, get a, you can get pizza, crack, and a prostitute all right there on the same corner. Right. Angel was there. <laughs> pizza, Angel, and New Jack were all, all in the corner. <laughs> right there on the, on the other corner of Swanson. Yeah, that that was good pizza though. I'm not even gonna fucking. Sh- I'm not even gonna shoot and, and and lie about it. That that pizza was good shit. It was like seven dollars a slice, but you know I'll take that shit. I walk out of there. I have garbage on me. You know I'm all beat up and bloody. Wearing my my, my spandex. Can I get two pepperonis? <laughs> all all Heyman's offering me is a hot dog. <laughs> yeah, I already got. That's all I got paid from ECW is I'll give you my hot dog for a piece of pepperoni. Yeah, but that pizza was good, dude. I don't don't want anybody fucking shit on that place. I don't know the name of it. I think it was like Mama Delights or something like that, or Mama Mama Italia's or something like that. But yeah, it was good as shit. Yeah, well, the next match, oh, the next match on this show. Two out of three falls, double dog collar, Raven and Richards versus the Pitbulls. And this is one of those matches. It's hard to take notes on it because there is a lot going on. 
Um, Chad, is I know this you. The mass that I, is this the match that I call the best match I've ever seen live? It sure is. And that's what I was going to say. I figured you'd probably have something to say. I have a this. ton of notes. Well, then okay. it's on you. Because <laughs> I, I paused as the match was going on. I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch that. Pause. I want to write that note down. Um, I mean, I can I can read my notes, and hopefully they make sense. And if you guys want to chime in, you can chime in whenever you want. I don't fucking care. It's, like I'm getting, it's not like I'm getting paid for this. Um, Does that say Sanjay Dudley? Oh, no, it says Sanjay Dudley. It's Sanjay Dutt's dad. <laughs> San, Sanjay Dudley. <laughs> Um, when the introductions ha- or the entrances happen, it's Raven and Beulah. There's no Stevie Richards. He won't come out because he's scared. Um, Beulah says that Stevie broke his arm um, at the last show, and um, Joey calls bullshit on that. But she says that to make it fair, it should be two out of three falls. And the pit uh, um, the pit bulls agree. Raven jump starts the match, but Pitbull two gets the upper hand. Um, and then Pitbull number one runs the back. Pitbull, Pitbull number one then returns with a bloody Stevie Richards. So now he is um, unwillingly in the match. Um, which is, which is, which makes sense because now Tommy or uh, um, what's his name? Fag ass. Uh, Stevie Richards, yeah, he's um, he's the coward, and now he's now he's forced to come out and be a man, you know, which he never was before prior. So now you're now you're now you're telling the story of now we're making something out of this guy, and then this match is going to prove, you know, it's going it's going to end up making him the guy, you know, yeah, because they beat the man out, they beat the man into him, not. Not more, not beat the shit out of him. They beat the man into him. And then the first big, um, um, I don't, know, I don't want to call it high spot, or the, the first big bump of the match is Raven Powell drives uh, the table through the table, which is a crazy bump, and gets the one, two, three. And now the story of the match is if Raven would have just kept his mouth shut and not wanted it to be fair, he would have won the match. So he kind of fucked himself over by demanding it to be two out of three full. The heel kind I, I just never, I had just never seen, um, besides the triple threat, the very first triple threat, but you got to take in mind, this was, this, this could have been 20 years earlier, you know, in ECW. That there was less people in the locker room, less people in the building, but just the amount of intensity that, you know, just say the triple threat got, that everybody was clamoring around the, um, you know, the monitor, you know, because it was like a big deal. And I I remember I was the first person because there was nobody sitting near me, no one sitting around me. There was 30 chairs, probably empty seats in front of the monitor. And I'm sitting there and I'm like watching this match. And I'm going, this is the fucking greatest thing I've ever seen. Like, you know, I can't believe that I'm saying this. That this is the best match that I've ever seen in my life live. And and then sooner or later, 
uh, you started seeing butts filling them seats. Like people were coming over, you know, granted, you know, the first couple people were Dino Sendoff, Mikey, you know, a bunch of jobs, you know. And then eventually you started seeing higher ups. They were all sitting there watching that little tiny ass 13 inch monitor that we had in the locker room watching this match. And everybody was like, dude, what the fuck? This is magic right here. You know, we, we got something here. And I just remember after it was all over, like I gave it a standing ovation. I stood up. I was like, dude, I've never seen anything like this. And I don't like any of y'all. I don't like fucking none of you pit bulls. I think Raven's a fucking idiot. I think fucking Richard's a dick sucker. Fuck off all y'all. But this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in person. You know what I mean? And that's why I was just like, uh, I don't know how y'all did it, but that was good shit, man. You know? That was good shit. It was the best match I've ever seen live, man. Which is funny because I put in like brackets, ass chat about Stevie. Well, he just told me what he thought about Stevie. Yeah, uh, fuck him. And so he said, Raven and Stevie win the first fall, and then the second fall happens, and they super bomb Stevie through a table, and the Pitbulls win that um, second fall. So now it's tied up. Um, Third See, it's fall. funny. It's funny that I didn't even know it was a two out of three false match. <laughs> I didn't well, even start know. off that way. It wasn't booked that way, but they ended up transitioning into it. Um, the third fall starts. Everyone's brawling around the building. Um, um, number two puts a um, table in the ring, and the re- and and there's a ref bump, and then all of a sudden the Dudley Boys run out and they attack the pit bulls. Um, um, Raven and Richard super bomb with the help of the Dudleys, each of the, each of the pit bulls, but they, they fucking Hogan that shit and don't sell it. And, um, DDT Raven and Richards with stereo DDTs. And then they super bomb the Dudleys. And in, um, what was a scary looking bump? They go to super bomb Raven in the table, but Raven does not um, hit his back into the table. He's the back of his fucking head, and it looked rough. Oh, like that's gotta fucking hurt. Table tables suck, man. Because um, tables 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 can be easy. They can be your friends. You know what I mean? And they can also not be your friend. It all depends on how you do it, kind of thing. And I've never, in my opinion, in, in my experience, I've never had a bad um, table um, experience because I've always, I've always, no matter what I was going to do, I knew how to do it. Like I knew, I knew where to do it at, but it's that stupid fucking band around the table that fucks everything all up, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a metal. It's a metal thing that keeps the table together. And, yeah, I mean, the table would just break right in half. No big deal. Not a problem. But then you got that band and shit that, that'll cut you up. You know, it'll, you know, you, you know, it makes everything more difficult. But I, I've just never had a problem with tables. But poor Raven. I, I don't know why he decided the tables are going to be his thing anyway. I don't know. Cause I, I've had I had I had a problem with Raven one time when I worked him. I worked him like and I had it gave me like I had to do two moonsaults uh, on him through a table because the first time I bounced off of him. 
like your dinner ready table. And then, and then, like, it made me look like a, like a dick. So then I got up and Raven goes, do it again. And then I did it again. And it didn't, it didn't break. And then, then he goes, do it again. So instead of me doing the moonsault, I just like jumped, like, like gave him like the, you know, giant foot stomp. You know, like fuck this, <laughs> and then I, but I crushed, I crushed Scotty when I did it because I had to. I'm like, I'm, I'm making this table break, whether it was whether you're not. whether you're on it or not, Mister. Yeah, and Scotty, and all Scotty did was like, oh shit. Yeah, so, tables are tables are not your friend, man. So after Raven kind kind of recuperates from getting his head banged off the table, he ends up using ether. Supposed to be got some old school Memphis shit or whatever. He uses some ether on Pitbull too, and tries to put him through two tables, and it doesn't really work. One table breaks, and they just kind of plummet to the floor. Um, Raven then unhooks from Pitbull number two, and this brings out Francine, um, who attacks Beulah, and then Raven ends up hitting Francine. Um, with a DDT. So, what, what, what's your opinion on the ether? Do you, do you think it's fucking stupid? I mean, do you I like it? I, I, I think it's I, stupid. I think maybe because I like Memphis. <laughs> I don't. I, I I like I like I don't mind the ether thing. I mean, it can be overdone, but if you don't overdo it, if you just do it once in a while, and it's a way to to uh, for a smaller guy to subdue a bigger guy or something. I don't think it's. I don't think it's all that bad. Yeah, I always, I always just thought it was, I always just thought it was cheap. It was like, you know, cause, you know, cause I'm, I'm not a guy, I, you know, I don't work on a lot of small engines, you know, so I'm not too familiar with ether to begin with. So for them to tell, try to tell me, like, I had to go out in my garage one day when I was a kid after seeing like, you know, Memphis Angle with ether and I had to ask my grandfather. You know, he had to like explain it to me. I'm like, well, what, what is this? You know, either, you know, and I'm thinking like, where somebody brought this to the building, you know, and it was, I'm just, I just thought it was, I always thought it was dumb. Um, I just never liked it. Me personally. I just never thought that I, I thought it was, I thought it was cheap. You know, it was like kind of too easy mm. kind of thing. Like that's just my opinion, but whatever. I mean, Scotty, obviously. Me and Scotty were big fans of Memphis, and we talked about it all the time in the car, and we talked about it all all the time, and 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 we always thought that we could just make these cheap angles, you know, we we would just do anything that Memphis did, we we would do it because it was cheap, you know, but we would just do it in in an ECW way, and um, it would work, and it, I guess it did for a while. I, lo- I love the I love wrestling logic too, Aaron. Like you mentioned, uh, um, Raven DDT's Francine, and Joey's outraged. You know, this is just it's the what a son of a bitch, what a bastard. But how many times has he has he cheered on Tommy Dreamer for for pile driving Beulah? Yeah, dude, he pile dropped Beulah like fucking six times a month, <laughs> and it was like good, good for you, Tommy. Um, and speaking of Tommy. Tommy now enters the match since Raven has unhooked himself from Pitbull 2 and hooks himself to Raven and hits the DDT and pins Raven 1, 2, 3. Doesn't count. 
doesn't count because Bill Alfonso comes out and says nothing that happened. Daddy comes out and says nothing was official because <laughs> Tommy wasn't supposed to be in the match. And then Todd Morgan comes out and um, restarts the match. Um, Big Dick ends up close choke slamming Tommy Dreamer. And that's supposed to signal a, DD, a, a DQ because the chokeslam's um, now illegal. But Fonzie says, nah, it's legal tonight. <laughs> to set up his own downfall. Which then brings out 911, who then chokeslams Bill Alfonso. And then Pitbull number two returns and they. Um, give Raven and Stevie a double super bomb through the tables. And now the Pitbulls are your new ECW tag team. Dude, I mean, Pitbull number two. This was a fucking chore. <laughs> this was a fucking match. Pitbull number two, man. I, I ain't got enough words to tell you how bad of a guy that guy was. That guy was so fucking bad. This wasn't a match where he dove over the top rope and landed on his head, right? Was that this match? Like he dove no, over no, the top rope and the guy was nobody near, no, nowhere near him. And he just landed on his head, and, and when he got up, all he did was rub his head, <laughs> like ah, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of kind of thing. I'm like, he just it is, but it is, it is but it is but a flesh wound. It, merely, merely a flesh wound, and um. Like that guy is bad to the, that guy was bad to the bone, dude. That guy was 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 brutal, and I'm just thinking like, man, I know I got my ass beat by them guys multiple times, and I can just imagine you're in a double dog collar match that involves tables and this and that, and your sister's ass, and <laughs> you know, and, and Stevie's tied up to him. Oh shit, <laughs> you know, like. Like, shit's going to happen to you, Stevie, dude. Just fucking like it and lump it, you know? That's pretty much <laughs> what we would say. L like it and lump it, dude, because, you know, ain't nothing going to happen. That guy's badass, dude. I always liked him. I never thought I never thought much of the other fucking shit-ass Gary piece of garbage. Uh, they're all dead, right? <laughs> the... <laughs> To show you why, if you if you didn't live through this time period in pro wrestling, to show you why ECW fascinated wrestling fans at the time is you go, we go on this match on this card from this insane dog collar match with all its ups and downs and blood and tables and dog collars and chairs and choke slams and insanity, and then we go to. Ray Mysterio versus Psychosis in the ECW <laughs> arena. It's it's this ECW is its own breed of animal be, at this time. <laughs> about about eight minutes after Bill Alfonso saying this is not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> he's out there. He's moving furniture around. This is this 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 is not going to count. None of this is going to make a difference. <laughs> he's out there yelling. And shit, and then you kind of like, I mean, according to TV, anyway, it, it it cuts, and then it cuts back to, oh, it's Rip Studio against Psychosis. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. We just had that big ass fucking machine come in 
that had the little brooms on it, you know, that sweeping ringside, the, the woman that Walmart has, you know, that cleans up floors. Yeah, I just came out and just cleaned the room. All of a sudden, we just had five guys just beating the shit out of each other with blood everywhere and everything. All of a sudden, it's Rev Mysterio with psychosis. Tommy Titty Dreamer. Titty Dreamer. And Ray and Psychosis proceed to have a fantastic match. Um, this is, and it's just so crazy to think like how long, I guess now it, it makes this, this watching this match is the match that made me feel old while I was watching this event, just because Ray's still wrestling today. And it's just crazy to think of how long he's been an active wrestler. 1996. I mean, uh, I I have I have stuff from him from uh, probably even a year or two earlier than that. Yeah, I think he started in like ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, I think I have I I have handhelds of him before he got in the AAA when he was working the independents and um and uh I, I'm not even gonna try to I'm not even gonna try to pronounce the name the city that he was in, he, but he, you know. He was. I just. I just looked it up. I just looked it up. And of course, it's Mexico. That's okay. I'm just saying. I looked it up just for posterity. Of course, it's Mexico, so there's no labor laws. But he. uh, He actually made his debut at the age of 14 on April 30th, 1989. Dude, and you 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 can still see. uh, uh, There's a couple of matches of his on YouTube where. You can you ain't even got to spend more than five seconds looking at the fucking video to realize which one which one's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? He he looks like that fucking skeleton guy, like you know, like he was so little his nipples touched. And the from the back, no, that was Mark Henry. <laughs> like his uh, his shoulder blade his shoulder blades had nipples. <laughs> no, that's your back. Oh, I'm sorry, man. That that's what I like. The first thing I noticed is like Ray's not a big guy now, but he's a stockier guy now. You know, it, it's just insane looking at him there, and you're like, Jesus Christ, he looks like a fucking baby. Oh, it's, definitely in, in Mexico he did. Oh, Mexico he was fucking he was tiny as shit. Then one of my biggest letdowns ever was when Psychosis took his mask off, and I'm like, that wasn't his hair, really. <laughs> I wanted that to be his hair, like his natural hair. I wanted him to be like the Kenny G of wrestling. <laughs> Flaming hair. It's like, what the fuck? The Kenny G of wrestling. Yeah, Kenny G has psychosis hair. Or had psychosis hair. He probably doesn't have it anymore. He, he had on a fucking, he had on a Kenny Omega wig. <laughs> He's, he's out there. Oh my God! It's Kenny. Omega. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, Psychosis's glorious ramen noodle hair was fake. Oh my God, damn it! <laughs> well, this, I, don't, I don't have a lot of notes on this match. No, it's, and this this match at the time, this match at the time was something that you had rarely seen in North or not North America in the United States at this time. Um, like I said, I think Ron Scover or whatever had that show in California and then the AAA show, the When Worlds Collide show. But other than that, you very rarely saw this this fast-paced lucha style in the states like, and like the only thing I the only thing I got is they do like a um, like a, 
a forward summer, like right as like a forward somersault and hooks into psychosis and hits him with a Frankensteiner and then tries to roll him up. And it's like, Jesus Christ. I, I, I don't know. I'm not describing it right, but visually it was insane. Like, it's like, what the fuck? I, I just know, I just know that this was another fucking um, locker room sellout. Everybody was watching a match going, you know, everybody in the locker room, from, from me to Sandman to everybody else was like, all right, this is the bar. This is, this is the new standard of what we got to work for here. <laughs> like, uh we're all watching it, you know, and like, like, like I said earlier that the double dog collar was a match was was a locker room sellout, and then you know everybody went back to their shit, did their business, and then all of a sudden now it's Ray and 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 now all of a sudden you start seeing everybody else congregating their back over to the monitor again, because this match was was this is the new standard, like this is where we're at now, guys. Like Paul didn't have to give a motivational speech, you know, after the show, he didn't have to. If you watch this show, you realize either you're with us, you're on board, or you're not. Because if you can't produce like this kind of shit, you were no gonna wash. Yeah, you were gonna wash out very quickly. Yeah, and, it, it was. It, it was definitely a don't worry about you, Chad. We got nine one one, so you're fine. But other than that, it was. It was that. It was that shit. Like this is. We're we're raising the bar here, man. And them guys fucking tore it up, dude. And we didn't we didn't know shit about him. We all knew Ray. Uh, we all knew Ray. You know, Ray was, was was a great dude. You know, um nobody nobody even knew psychosis without his mask. And I nobody. think in, in in the in the maybe not at the moment, but looking at it years later with with people that get talked about like with that, that lucha style and that high flying style that got brought here. I don't think he gets talked about enough. Who, Ray Ray or psychosis? Yeah, how fucking good he was. Yeah, he was a he was a perfect um, catch guy. Like Ray's a perfect fly guy, but you got to have somebody that can catch you, you know. And, and he was tall, and and was able to do all that shit, but still keep up with like fucking Ray and Uvi and all that shit. I don't think he gets enough credit. No, because. Because he, he was he was um I I mean I, I don't mean this even in the disparaging part of, of of the word, but he was part B of it because it wasn't supposed to be about him. He worked he worked so many times against Ray. He knew Ray's high spots. He knew Ray's um you know moves everything. He knew where to be. Not nobody could could have done that. No, me not me not anybody else. Um, could have known. All right, well, where the fuck's Ray going to come from now? You know, but you worked with him so many times that you knew, you know, where you know where to be. They probably had the same exact match forty times, probably. You know, in Mexico, they probably worked the same exact match. You know, and and in front of these fucking idiots in Philadelphia, you know, they they ate it up because it was like it was new to them. But Which just, was appreciative, but just like, like like I said, I just think psychosis kind of gets forgot about. I'm not, and and this is high praise, so I'm not going to say it. But like everybody talks about like Ray and Eddie and and, and all that, but I, I I think he gets forgot about, and I don't think it's right. Well, he just did that fucking spot 
against Ray where he just jumps over the top rope basically by himself. <laughs> he just runs in and, and, it, and, and does like a knee, which is like, it's easy, but it looks great. It, you know, because if, if, you if you throw your knee up on the top rope and take a bump over the top rope, you have a way out. You know, you have a safe way out because, you know, you, you, you can brace yourself. But he just flies over it. <laughs> you know, he just jumps up, puts his knee up, boop, gone. I think, and I, I, I think Aaron, one part of the part of the thing with that, as far as you saying psychosis, and again, you know, Eddie's one of my three favorite wrestlers of all time, and I love Rey Mysterio. But I think the reason that psychosis doesn't get regarded is because, as in the mainstream pro wrestling talk of this the the past and of this era, is because now WWE controls the narrative, and psychosis never really had a big WWE career. And does that make sense? Like, I think that I think that he doesn't get talked about enough because WWE doesn't keep him in the in the discussion. You know, like I didn't I didn't watch um, I don't watch like the hall the WWE Hall of Fames not just because I don't like him or whatever. I just it's guys going up there and giving speeches that were written for him or whatever. But if Ray didn't mention the psychosis's name in his Hall of Fame speech or whatever it, 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 it would be like a disservice to the guy you know because mm-hmm. because psychosis did a lot for ray mysterio he, he did he did so much of a a lot for him in ecw they carried it over to wcw yeah that's yeah. what i'm saying it's like yeah well, I, after I, ray- how, how, how were you gonna get ray over and um in wcw you aren't gonna put him with i mean you aren't gonna put him with uh, i you know, put a name in, you know, I, I would say Billy Kidman, but that would, that would have been okay. But, you know, Corporal Kirshner, <laughs> put him out there with Corporal Kirshner, see what kind of match. Sergeant, Sergeant Craig Pitbull Pittman. Yeah. There you go. You know, you know, exactly. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for him, like, cause like, like I said, he knew how to catch Ray and, and where to be. And not everybody did know all that. So it was almost like you had to bring him in, to get Ray kind of thing. And I've been, I've worked for companies before. I've worked for a couple of companies that they brought me in because they knew that I had worked these other people prior that they weren't going to get a better match out of them. And it didn't, unless they brought me in, you know what I'm saying? Like I know how to work these guys, these certain guys. I, I, yeah, I worked on, they suck. Like, even the bushwhackers for Christ's sake. Like, I, I got pigeonholed against the bushwhacker, bushwhackers <laughs> because um, I worked them a few times and then all of a sudden then, then they, they started requesting me because I knew how to work them. Moolah and May was the same thing. They requested me because I knew how to work them. You know, they were going to, you know, you weren't, you weren't, you weren't going to put uh, psychosis out there with Moolah and May. <laughs> what the fuck? I'd <laughs> I, I, love to see it, but yeah, they weren't going to do all that. Psychosis against Moolah and May. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Well, after the uh, Psychosis Ray Mysterio match, which Ray, Ray wins with the Hurricane Rana, um, we show the Gangstas and Public Enemy, or New Jack and Public Enemy, arguing in the back. And they lay out a couple of cameramen. So Joey takes his cameraman from the uh, the announce position and heads that way. And he's witnessing this argument going on in the back, and the guys argue out 
into another room and Joey turns and well, lo and behold, dressed as Hulk Hogan, here's stunning Steve Austin. And our first appearance of Steve Austin in ECW. He just so happens to be in the back. Yeah, he's, he's in the back acting like Hulk Hogan going, Steve Austin, good at cut it in WCW, brother. Steve Mania was ran wild, brother. Yeah. And then um, he goes, this shit ain't going to work here. I ain't even gonna do it in the ECW, bro. I can't even. I can't even begin to tell you what time this was. It had to have been. It had to have been three three o'clock in the morning. Had to have been. So Steve was probably three seats to the win by then. Well, I mean, no, he was just hanging out. Yeah, I mean, I guess he was. It could have been, but uh, but he was just, you know, it was just. The show, the show was like three and a fucking half hours long. You know what I mean? So it was the, just say the show was ending at twelve thirty. You know, then we still had promos, and they always take three, four hours. And this was this had to have been at like three, four o'clock in the morning. And all I remember was walking over to him and introducing myself and like, hey, man, I'm Chad Austin. He's like, oh, man, it's great to know that my, my, the rest of my family's here. <laughs> and I was thinking, like, your name's not Austin either. Oh, none of us are Austin. <laughs> you know, like, and and he, he didn't, in my opinion, this is just me saying, like, he didn't ingratiate himself into the locker room very well. Like, as far as, like, talking to everybody, like, you know, like, one of the things we always learn when we first break in is you walk in, you shake everybody's hand, you talk, you know what I mean? No. He was a big star. And we didn't know that he was a big star until he showed up. What's what I was going to ask when you said that, that he didn't, like, shake hands and... I ain't doing stuff. Do you you think he probably thought, I ain't going to be here very long? Oh, he, he already knew... He wasn't going to be there very long because he, he he was on loan. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, 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 he wasn't had, there because he needed the money. He was there because Paul. Um, this 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 was a this was a pit stop for him between WCW and WWE. Yeah, like 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 we didn't Paul didn't even pay for Steve. That was fucking like I mean Nate, you probably heard the story, right? Well, he, he Steve, was he was alone on loan or whatever. I don't believe I don't think Steve was because he actually had gotten fired by WCW and I don't I don't know I'd have to look and see I don't know if he had signed with the WWF yet when he came he did. According, to, according to his story according to his story he had it and it's wrestling so you take that with he, a grain of salt but yeah he, got, he, 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 he definitely free. did I mean, I know, I know he makes he makes his raw debut in December, and this is September, so it's just a couple but, of months. But. but his story is he got hurt, and WCW had a clause in everybody's contract where if you were hurt and you couldn't work your dates, they had the right to release you. So they released him, and Paulie knew that Steve had no contract, so he brought him in, and. He was there, and Steve was like, I can't work. And Paulie was like, just come talk. And he came and talked. And he did his little – he did his couple matches with Mikey and Sam Man, and then he was off to the – he was off to the to the E. Yeah. There, there's, yeah, there, there's no doubt that I don't believe that Paulie was supplemented. 
in some aspect of that transition. You know what I mean? There's just, I, I just ain't buying it. It's too much of a perfect storm. You know what I mean? Oh, we got this guy right here who's getting fired from a company that didn't fucking use him. He comes over here. He's on fucking fire. And then now he's going to leave, you know, um, and it, it's just no I, way. I, I would, I would almost believe more that WCW probably wasn't paying. Oh no, it was Vince. It was Vince paying because he couldn't directly place pay Steve because Steve had to no compete. So he was just like, ah, <coughs> we'll, we'll we'll give Paulie fucking three grand or whatever a week to pay Steve, but we'll just call it a a booking fee or whatever, and not actually have a. Sign a paper. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was all right. We 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 just we just need a holding place for this guy. You know, we just need a holding place for this guy for a couple of months. Can you guys? Can you can you book him? Make sure that he's fucking healthy. Make sure that you know. And and um, you know, he wasn't a drug guy. Wasn't a drug guy or anything like that. So that wasn't a problem. So that wasn't an issue. So it was basically, can you babysit him for a few months? Right. Well, after we see Steve Austin, we go to the main event, which, like I said, I just... Okay, so the way it starts here is this is a steel cage, which doesn't mean anything in the ECW arena because the match is going to go all over the place anyway. It's it, The steel cage is just another prop to use for insanity purposes. It's Public Enemy and Mikey Whipwreck, and they're supposed to be facing the Sandman and the Gangstas, but uh, they let us know that last night Mustafa had a run-in with the law, and he is not here tonight. So it is New Jack, Scorpio, and the Sandman against so Public mean, Enemy. You mean Mustafa got caught smoking crack again? Again, right by the right by the pizza place, for God's sake! Yeah. No, no, <laughs> even worse. He couldn't even go outside. He was smoking crack in the fucking lobby. They were like, who's the only other black guy we got that's not JT because he already worked? Ah, Scorpio. Dude, if, if, that, if that was the incident that was in question, um, I was there. That, 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 was, that, that was something else. Um, that dude, like, you know, he's like 6'6", six, six, you know, 265 pounds, 70 pounds, jacked up, and he smoked crack. For Christ's sake, and and he's in the in the lobby like tearing shit up, like throwing shit, and and he's going whoa 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 all, all that new that that Mustafa shit, and and I'm just like all right, well I'm the elevator couldn't came any faster. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I just kept pressing the button, kept pressing the button. Come on, elevator, come on. You gotta be kidding me. This guy's out there. I'm just like, dude, I don't know what the fuck this guy's problem is, but. You know, I go to my room and I'm just like, dude, there's a guy down in the lobby. This guy. And I came back down because I, I think they were just getting ready to serve, like put out breakfast or whatever. And he's still fucking handcuffs, like <laughs> downstairs. This is like five hours later. You know, I'm just thinking, like, this guy, he caused a problem. And a guy that big could definitely cause a problem. It's like a bull in a china right. shop. Dude, I mean, yeah, I mean, New Jack's a dick. He's but he but he's not a guy who's gonna like destroy the place. You know what I'm saying? Like he may have done hotel rooms or whatever, 
But this guy was down at the fucking hotel lobby, like, you know, where, where, where people were coming in to check in that were like, you know, that do like sales positions and stuff. And he's in there going, he's doing that, that Mustafa stuff, you know, where he was like not saying words. He was just making noises. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Could you imagine what people thought? <laughs> like when they're, they're, they're trying to check in. It's their family vacation, and they're trying to check in, and they got this this fucking guy down the fucking. All right, I'm done, dude. Yeah, some I some got no time for this. Some some regional vice president, West Division, is trying to check in for his his conference for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, the worst thing New Jack's doing is like, where's the white women at? And this guy's like, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's flipping tables over. You know, he's he's like getting behind the mic, or getting behind the counter on the microphone, like he's at Burger King. He's thinks he's in the Wu Tang Clan. Fuck, he's he's rapping and shit, and, and no, and there's nobody going to say shit to him. <laughs> there, there ain't nobody in that hotel going to say shit to fucking Mustafa when when he's been smoking crack and he's all fucking whacked out of his mind. Oh fuck all that shit. Go back to your room. Ain't nothing to see here, people. Turns out he didn't even have a room. Wasn't no. even. A- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he he had a room, but it was ten by ten. It, 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 was, it was later on that night. Because <laughs> we were like, seriously. I mean, just just seriously think about it for a second. If you're just checking into the hotel and you walk into the lobby and you see this motherfucker in there. And he's just throwing a fit. Oh, oh, hell no! Because you got you got to remember, there's what, there's the other hotel is the Travel Lodge, which it's across town, you know, and it's a dump. Uh, or you can stay. I I would I always stayed at the Hilton. I got my own room. I stayed at the Hilton, which was in town. It it would it cost more than I made that night, but I knew I wasn't staying at the fucking Travel Lodge. Because if I stayed at the travel lodge, I was staying with like four other people that I didn't even know. <laughs> they, were, they weren't even on the show or anything. It was just, they just gave me the key to a room that some, some other people were staying in. And I'll be here. I'm only here for 12 hours. Don't worry about it. I ain't, ain't going to bother you. So well, this, you, can this, only, this, you can only imagine. Like I said earlier, this match is one of those, one of those just all over the place ECW spot filled. Crazy matches. I don't have a lot of notes just because, Aaron, I don't know if you have more than I do. Um, I know there's a couple of big spots. I know New Jack and Johnny Grunge do the spot off the Eagle's Nest. Um, At one point, three tables get stacked um, on top of each other, and Scorpio and, and Rocco Rock go through the tables off the top of the cage. And the finish comes when Mikey hits a splash off the top of the cage and pins the Sandman. So Mikey, yeah, but, woman, but, but what about woman? She looked good. As always. I mean, clearly she just came from a David Van David Lee Roth video shoot with them red red spandex on. But dude, them spandex love that fucking day. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they were like, "I'm glad you picked me today." Good lord. She's a hot piece of ass, man. Or woman, what? oh woman, woman, oh woman, won't you wear me now? Yeah, fucking just 
imagine what she would look like today, dude. I bet she's, I mean, she had been old then. And she still looked good today, I bet. Fucking Chris Benoit. What the fuck? She apparently has no standards. I mean, she married a midget and. <laughs> yeah, but he was the booker. Stayed. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 you can fault her for like her her sensibilities as, as to what she looked for and somebody. But the guy was the booker of the company. So he was making good money. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like he was fucking, he, he married, they married the fucking gambler. Money midget. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't in that sense that you can't, you can't blame her for that. I'm not saying she's fucking dank or anything. <laughs> no, no, she's not. Well, overall guys, I'd say we give a, I, I'd give a good, I'd give, I'd give a good grade to the gangsters in paradise show. There was a lot of good here. Um, I'd say a B. Oh, good. Good for you. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I mean, good, good for you. Cause I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I don't give, I, I, I very rarely give anything above a C and I'm, I'm more than willing to give this show a, a B. I mean, I, I might even give it a B plus, honestly, to tell you the truth. It was a good show. And that's because I was on it. Well, and that, that's, what that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. Even the undercard, you know, Bullpain, you know, he drugged something out of Tony Stetson. And then that tag match with you and the Dudley served its purpose. It was a good squash. Hack, I mean, JT looked like a hack and Hack looked good. And then, you know, you get into the main event matches, and we just talked that, you know, the two out of three dog collar match, the Ray Mysterio uh, psychosis match. And then this main event, although, like I said, wacky and crazy, this is exactly what you expect for an ECW main event in the arena. So, yeah, throw this, throw this show on now, right now, put it on TV, you know, and people will be like, holy shit. And don't even say it's from 1996. Yeah. Just put it on right now. People will be going, "What? This is nonsense! This is this is crazy!" It was a great show. It was a, it was a really good show, um, and TV really didn't do it justice because you really had to have been there, like in the arena, to to experience it. Because you know you can't you can't do a show like this in sixty minutes, right? You know, mm-hmm. it just doesn't work out that way. You have to fucking be there and hear the crowd, feel the electricity, not get the hot dogs because they were sold out. Um, you know, it, you did, it was just one of them. It, it was it was one of them shows that ECW will, as we go further into our journey into this show, into this company, that we'll start seeing. They're going to start happening more and more and more, and it, it it may have started with this show. Aaron, what do you think? I, I'd give it a B. I, I had no problem with it, top to bottom. It was a good show. Everybody did their job. Everybody served their purpose, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, good shit. Well, that being said, then we will wrap up this week's edition of Reliving the Extreme. I want to thank everybody for joining us on the show. And uh, I don't know if you guys have any parting words for the listeners. Uh, I did. If you, but if, you, if, you, if you if you do if you do don't make them too long because I really gotta pee. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I gotta. All right. Well, peace. Thank you for. Thank you for joining us, everybody. And uh, we look forward to you joining us again next week as we continue reliving the extreme. We'll see you next week.